Hello and welcome to the Men on Mission podcast. Today I have a very special guest, Jared Krause in the house. He is a man that I was lucky enough to be and do my warrior initiation with MKP back in 2018. And it's been a long time, brother. We sat in circle for a little bit in iGroove, but it's been a few years. And we literally bumped into each other a couple of weeks ago on the beach. And it was like, let's let's do this. Let's catch up. So thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, thanks, sir. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm excited slash nervous to see where this goes. It's um yeah, MKP. I remember we did the warrior training. It was the week before my birthday on in March in twenty eighteen. Yep. Um yeah, MKP. Wow. And that's yeah, a lot started from that, didn't it? Yeah, because I mean I mean especially a lot a lot happened sitting in circle obviously not you know we're not going to talk about what happened in circle um for all the right reasons but yeah there was a lot a lot that came up right um for me there was so i was going yeah. through a big transition which i've spoke at length about on this podcast oh, excellent so for the listeners out there if you don't know that go back to episode one where you hear me ramble for an hour and a half by myself about my life um but for you, like, what actually got you to that weekend? Because usually it's not just, oh, yeah, I'm just so into that and I'll just go. Usually there's, there's something that happens that makes a man want to go up the mountain. Yeah, I think uh, I started I started going to MKP before, back in 2017, actually. Uh, and this is before I met my previous partner. And what made me want to go was having a discussion with my sister who does women's work. Do you know my sister? Who's no. your sister? Uh, Gemma Lee. Uh, she she does some... She, she's obviously pivoted in different areas in business, but she's always done, you know, women's sort of stuff. And she helps, um, you know, teenagers and women with, with menstrual cycle healing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, anyway, back to 2017, I found like I wasn't there was a part of my relationships with friends that I wasn't getting, I wasn't able to have the conversations or the depth of conversations that I wanted. Um, not just with my friends from school, but also with people like in the entrepreneurial realm, which is where I was in business. Um, and yeah, there was just no real depth and connection uh, that I enjoyed talking about. And so I was like, you know, and and you notice that you change, you you evolve. Everyone does, whether it's towards each other or apart, and um, you know, just apart in some stages with different different friends and people in my life, and uh, still still friends with them, of course, but on a different level. And I really wanted that. These I wanted great people around me that wanted to talk about you know good things, like you know, a bit more conscious and stuff like that. And then my sister recommended, "Have you heard about you know MKP?" And she knew Brooke. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Brooke had um, Brooke had held space at some of the women's uh, workshops that Gemma had gone to and, and they had made friends and then Gemma put me on to Brooke, met Brooke and, and I went along to MKP. What was yeah. that like being, because for the listeners out there, there's the new warrior training that you can do through MKP, which is the rites of passage training on on a single weekend. Mm. And then there's a thing called I group, which is men's group every week. So some of the men go and become a part of the weekly men's group that are uninitiated, meaning they haven't yet gone up the mountain. 
Whereas for me, I went up the mountain and then joined the group. So what oh, was it? Yeah. What was it like being a part of a men's group before you were initiated? Dude, it was. It was odd, but it was also very refreshing. Um, to see just 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 to be around men that wanted to be better people. Um, obviously, there's people, you know, all different levels and all different experiences and stuff like that. Um, but I really felt like, I don't know, I, I felt that, I don't know what I should and shouldn't say. Well, everything that you say is just like, as long as you don't use names, you can share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt like I was in a pretty good place in my life. I just wanted a better you know, better connections and stuff like that. And I, I thought I had it all figured out. Like I said, <laughs> oh, I think we were speaking off air earlier about my partner said, when we first met, you just thought you were the shit and you you, you had your whole life sorted out. Uh, Don't we all though? Yes. When we're mid-20s, uh, yeah, we're, we've dude. done it. We're like, we're doing it. We're doing the thing. We're so being funny. adults for like three years <laughs> and we know everything. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I think MKP was definitely the catalyst for me learning about vulnerability. But when I first got to mkp i what i learned was watching other men be vulnerable and i i felt like at that time i was in a pretty good space compared to where a lot of people were in the circle like personally and financially and uh, i just felt like my stuff wasn't like important to share or i didn't have anything as deep as what some of these other people would and then then that's what i felt like moving moving up into the training so i thought i'd get into the training and i'd be like oh yeah we'll just it'll be the same as circle um but i'm so glad it wasn't because it forced me to speak it speak about some of my stuff um yeah so it was it was interesting it was a slow lead in compared to like obviously you just went balls deep straight in <laughs> straight in well i didn't even know there was a weekly men's group right so oh, for me yeah. it was like for me i just thought it was the training so you know getting into rites of passage like leading up to that i'd done anna rubenstein's uh rites of passage and leadership training modality level one and that was in 2017 and so that's where i met anna and a few other people and got introduced to rites of passage so when i heard that there was a rites of passage for men that was actually immersive, not learning about it, but actually being in one. I was like, sign me up. So how did you hear about that? How did you hear about the MKP then? I um, Rites of passage. Funnily enough, I knew a guy named Philip Craig, who, aka Doc, um, was a partner to one of my athletes, Ellen Willis. She was the lady at my homecoming, if you remember the homecoming. Yeah, and up in Brizzy. Yeah, and there was the uh, lady that rocked up there and we all got in a big circle around Ellen like big group hug there's like 80 of us around one woman and the what ended up happening which is quite interesting is um doc just started like catching up with me and talking to me and then we went for coffee a couple of times and i i didn't know what it was but it just felt fatherly at the time in a really warm way from was, yeah just know from him from doc uh, from the guy so, yeah. yeah and we ended up having a few conversations and then he just started to speak about mkp stuff and i found out that he was one of the three guys that brought it to australia mm. and that he actually not that he left but he you know like moved on in his life and had done other things and 
I found out about this weekend and it was just, it went from there. And then before I actually got to do the training, he passed away. Mm. So for me, it was like, I got to go. Yeah. Like it, it seemed, seemed like something really important, not only for me, but I'd just shut the club, my weightlifting gym Mm. and I'd already had the weekend booked in. So I just, I kind of knew big changes were coming and I was really looking forward to it and having that, having that support and I think for me, the biggest takeaway I got was now that I know four years later is that it was the deepest, most loving presence I've ever felt from men in my life. It was not the first time, but probably the most profound experience I'd had around the masculine, mm. um, held in a way and loved in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Because I think before that, there was always, in, from my experience, a little bit of unsafety and the masculine um, which I've spoken to about before as well so I mean it's just my experience of of masculinity and and men from a very young age so I guess to have that the experience be so different was so good yeah and we were in the same group yeah we flora were. and fauna baby yeah flora and fauna Mark Pringle Daniel Hayes um, uh, was it Sid I think um, it was Sid and Charlie Charlie, Charlie Bourne. Yeah, Charlie Bourne. Yeah. And uh, I think it's Sid or Gid. Gideon? Gideon. Yeah. So yeah. that was the six of us. Six, yeah. But there's so many other people in MKP that I had met, I had met and become close with as well. Yeah. And who was that for you? Um, the guy that I never quit? It was the young fella. Oh, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, Brandon. Um. Yeah, I mean, my sister knew Brandon before um, I had started and I think had known his story. Uh, there was, I, I don't know if you went to the, to the um, one of the things we did at like a, a community hall with, with we brought our, our women along. Did you do that? Was that after the training or was that before? It would have been before because I didn't yeah, do that. Before. I okay. have done a few trainings with women in it since. Yeah. But there was Danny um, and... Yeah, he was he's a nice guy. I actually actually saw him maybe a year or two ago down in Mullum. <laughs> Sounds like Danny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he lives on the mountain now and I see him most weekends at Bongos. Oh, do you? Yeah, I saw him on Sunday. Down, down in Burley? Yeah, every oh, week. He's like leading the drum circle yeah, now. Yeah, of course he is. He's wild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. He's, the, he's he, such a legend. He's such a fluffer yeah. in the best possible way. Oh, in the best. Yeah, he's, he's a man. Yeah. Um, love, Love you, Danny. Get you on the show soon, bro. Don't worry. Hundred percent, yeah. And then, yeah, this is a, a bunch of crew. It was four years ago now, so yeah, it's what, interesting. And so, what happened since then? Like, as in, what did that lead into for you? Was that something that, like, how did that shift you? Did it? Were you on a course, and that kind of created a bit more of a like a an expanse? Did it give you what you were hoping for? What was the takeaway from you? for you i think it the biggest takeaway for me was it just helped me slow down in life really and also understand that i i can be a a different man you know i didn't have to project um project who i was i could learn to know who i was and just be rather than like project like i've got everything sorted in my life and Mm. and then when i didn't it taught me vulnerability massively, but my partner had a big 
part in that as well because she's done a lot of work um yeah it taught me how to uh, one massive thing that i really liked was after that i group uh we did another like a brief in brisbane i think it was um pit training pit training yeah mm, so good. and learning learning the family dynamic and i learned so much about my family dynamic and and the why. order yeah the order like the wolf the wolf pack like far hence the program i wrote earlier in the year the order yeah you know yeah it's got it's so profound man it's such a good piece and that shapes who you are as a person it shapes so much of your behavior right and yeah now i now i understand who i am being when i'm around my family and why i am the person that i'm i am outside of my family and in my own life yeah, that was massive. Like, I was just like... Because my family dynamic was... Um, yeah, I had I had a pretty strong sister. Like, just... it was Older sister? Older sister, yeah. How much older? Two years. Yeah, mine was six. Six years. And it's, like, it's full on. Was she brutal? At times. Yeah. She's super loving. Yeah. But she's so close in age to my mum. And with the order, as yes. we know, what happens with the alpha female Sounds and the beta exactly female. Sounds exactly the same as, as my fi- family. Yeah. Those two clashing and I'm just the little boy because there's only three of us. Mm-hmm. So I was just the, the, the man, the boy, and my two mum and sister females just having it out, yeah. you know? When dad was away or dad oh, not oh, home? Dad not home. Not yeah. Yeah. I had absent father. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, same thing, man. Like when, like my dad would just work late, but yeah, she just wanted to run the house, eh? And like, just be the mum and backhand you. Yeah. It's neck level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah. And uh, I guess for me, that was like, I, and I spoke to this last night, I'm currently running um relationship training with Kybor. Um, called ART and you know speaking to that last night for myself around like safety around women like for myself yeah you yeah. know it's just like fuck the conditioning for me to be a nice guy and not it's not that I don't know what I want it's about the fear of not only getting it and having that guilt or potentially just asking for what I want was not okay mm. you know because mm. it would cause an argument or a fight or oh yeah isn't it isn't it just insane just that that you you can carry that behavior unconsciously uh, around women or in other relationships for the, for the rest of your life and you still still need to continue to do the work on it yeah it's 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 m- like there's no like oh yeah just take a magic pill I'll do one weekend MKP and you know I'll be good like that's the thing is like I I distance and move myself away from MKP which which you did I'm sure sure we've got our own reasons for that but um yeah it opens up it opened up it was a catalyst that opened up so many doors to to understand like yeah this is this this stuff's ongoing yeah yeah absolutely and so the family dynamic and you getting that from I group or the sorry the pit training mm. where did you grow up what was it like growing up yeah so most of my memories from living in Burley on the Gold Coast we moved up when I was like our family moved up when we were 10 when I was 10 sorry uh, dad got a job in Brizzy so he's like yeah let's get to the Goldie and get these kids in the water um, yeah and 
Yeah, we lived in basically lived in the same house in Burley for like until I moved out, really, until we all moved out. Um, I lived, I shared a room with my brother until we were like eighteen, and the only reason I got my own room is my sister moved out with her boyfriend at the time. Fuck, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not yeah. having to share a room so you can sell pleasure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're 18, you know, like, yeah, crazy. Yeah, big time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and Burley has changed. Like, I, I lived in Tabelband Street in Burley when I first moved to the Gold Coast um, back in 2011. And Koala Park was just such a vibe back then. Yeah. And probably still is. It's pretty busy. I passed through it this morning, mm. taking my dog to the dog beach. But I was just like, man, I had some good times in there. Whereabouts in Burley were you? Uh, do you know where the Aussie Rules Football Club is in uh, near the library on Christine Avenue? Yeah. So where the, you got the tennis, you got the Gold Coast Tennis Centre, then you got the um, Burley Bombers Football Club. Yeah. Yeah, just like sort of a little bit south south of that. Yeah, tucked uh, in there. Yeah, yeah. So I used to play football uh, at Burley Bombers. Used to run down there every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> yeah. But it was a mad time. Like I had friends across the lake. We all just rode our bikes around Burley. Like back then. So wh- what was that? Like I was in uh, in 2000. I went, to, I went to year eight, went to Marymount High School. And we all just like... Even before high school, we just had so many friends around the neighborhood and we'd just all be out on our bikes every afternoon. It's, it's, it's sad to see that's not a thing now. Like, yeah, there'd be kids everywhere. Like when, yeah. Growing up like that, yeah. I was the same. I grew up in a small country town. and How good. You just know where everyone is. Just get on a bike yep. and go to your first knock mates. On, knock on their door. If they're not there, you go to the next one and, you know, eventually you find where everyone is, having a good time, you know. Used to memorize my, my mate's um, home phone numbers. Yes. You call up. Dude, I still remember <laughs> my phone numbers, right? Yeah. You know, like everyone's phone numbers. I still... And like some of my mates actually turn their home numbers into mobile numbers. So I... No would, what? Can you? Yeah. So, you know, you start with the... Uh, yeah. 0407. And then you just punch in like a, a number or 0404, like the original mobile number. And then put in the, the phone number. Oh, what? And it would... It would go through, and I would actually get onto some of my mates that way. That's I could sick. Not believe it. That's I'm insane. not going to give away certain people's phone numbers, <laughs> but I still remember your phone number. Yeah, yeah. I still remember weird birthdays. Maybe that's just like a numbers thing. I think I'm slightly Asperger's. I right? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe I remember two two of my mates' phone numbers and my home phone number. Yeah. But yeah, those were the days, man. Wasn't and it, even Balin, like Balin, went to Burley Primary School. My son, state school. Yeah. Yes. Good school, I, eh? I just remember. I remember being at the beach with Tani mm. years ago. And every time we used to drive back to Brisbane, it always felt like we were going the wrong way. And so when we finally got the opportunity to move to the coast, I did 10 years in Brizzy. Oh, okay. Got to the coast in 2011 and it just felt, it just feels so right here. And mm. what I've come to realize for me, it's like Brisbane and the Byron the Gold Coast is this nice mix of Brisbane and Byron. Mm-hmm. It's like business mm-hmm. and spiritual woo. Mm-hmm. It's not completely off the rails either way. I find that especially from Burley South. Yes. Burley, north of Burley, like I don't I don't feel that. That's the that GC vibe. that most That's people... That's the GC, yeah. yeah. That's the tourist. Oh, and the, the plastic, fantastic type. Um, 
which every, you know each their own. But yeah, I, I think South like is Burley and South is definitely that that vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nothing like what people think the Gold Coast is. Like even where I live right now, we're on ten acres, we're out in the bush, yeah. and we're a couple of minutes from Burley. And people are like, what? I didn't even know this place existed. Mm. So it's like, there's pockets. There yeah. is places. Oh, there's so many good spots. Yeah. Even don't don't talk about them. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> even even now that gentrification is real near the near the beach, but there's some there's some great spots um, that you guys will never find out <laughs> until maybe one day if you move, and then you have to take five years, ten years to find them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and so so growing up, there was older sister, younger brother, older brother. Yeah, so it was my older sister, two years older, then there's me, and then my younger brother, 18 months, and then my sister, younger sister, is five years younger than me, so three and a half years younger than my younger brother. All right. Mm. So four, mum and dad together. Yep. Dad's working in Brizzy. Yep. Not around that much. Yep. Um, mum, was, mum was home most of the time, and then she started... Uh, she started being a teacher aide at Kanindraba, which is like across Christine Avenue. So that would have been really close to home for yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah, we used to walk to school. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and that's the Burley dream, living and growing up there. Pretty lucky, hey. Yeah, there's so not a lucky. lot of people that are actually from the Gold Coast. Nah, that are that are living on the coast that I know of. That you have know? been here for like more than two decades. Hmm. Yeah. So what's it like? What's it like now? Where are you now? I'm in Palm Beach, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty close to the beach. Can see the beach from from home, but I'm obsessed with surfing, which is good. Um, just live in a li- little unit there at the moment, and it's so different. Like, Burley is not like. Could you imagine Burley twenty years ago? Like I remember it Burley ten was, years ago. Yeah, imagine it twenty years ago. It was I got goosebumps. It was so special. Like there was no, there was no path. There was no like footpath up Burley Hill. It was crazy. Um, used to be able to surf over the rocks. Like the, you used to be able to go for a surf and then pay three dollars fifty at Big Cheese to get a Big Cheese burger, chips, and a drink. It was just epic. I remember Big Cheese. That was such a vibe, man. <laughs> so good. I so miss that place because my mate's tattoo parlor was right next door. Oh yeah, Andy that does all my tattoo work. He used to work there. Yeah, back in the day. So we'd yeah we'd hit up Big Chiefs. That's this middle. That's this. That was a spot. That was right. And the Wahoos. Oh, I love Wahoos. And you know the funniest thing was I didn't even know James Street existed until I moved to the coast. I never went back over the other side of the You're main right. street. I always used to walk straight up to that strip. And just go there. Well, it used to be pretty boring shops in 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 the main in James Street, and yeah, it's just the rest. I mean, it's very different now. Like, yeah, it's it's changed so much, and the development in Palm Beach is is is, is mental. It sure is. That's um, changed a lot since I've been here. The last five years of Palmy. Mm. That's why I thought now if I moved, if I was to move back to the beach, I'd probably move to Chugan. But yep. even then, still trying to get somewhere along there would be so hard now. I've thought about this a lot. Like, where will I want to live in five years' time knowing that what's gonna, how the Gold Coast is going to change with light rail and, and the development in Palm Beach? Love Palm Beach. Probably be there for another five years. But, yeah, after that, will I be able to... I don't know. It, I, think, I feel like, you know that vibe from Burley down? I feel like that's going to shrink a bit until it goes all the way down to Cooley and then it's just going to be New South Wales and it might not even be on the coast. 
Yeah, which I is scary to think, right? It's a wild thought. It's um, but it creeps back. It creeps back inland a bit, like Corumban Valley and stuff. That hopefully that'll hold it. But sorry, I cut you off. No, no, it's fine. It's just like it's it's the curiosity for me. Like I love watching places change and change is inevitable like this is the biggest thing that i learned in the last couple of years on life and understanding archetypes and that sort of thing is Mm. like everything's a cycle everything lives and dies like enjoy that really high vibe time while it's there like i used to tani and i used to cook our dinner at stanley street just behind james street put our meals in a black in a bag and walk through james street and put a blanket on burley hill on a sunday with like 10 other people Mm. there'd be no one there Mm -hmm. you know back in 2011 2012 Mm. and now if you go down there it feels like you're in a festival you know so it just knowing that it's like i think back to that i'm like i loved that and it's okay that it's not like that anymore i'm okay with that you know tani and i used to get a bean bag a blanket and a bottle of red wine and go to bongo's and lay in the beanbag and, you know, sip wine and just mm. chill. Mm. You can still do that. It's just pretty busy these days, yeah. you know? And Trying so to get a car park now. <laughs> yeah, half an hour to get a park. Yeah. And the same with Palmy. But getting off topic, it was more just noticing the change, you know? Mm. And so does the coastal resonate for you? Like, what are you doing currently work-wise? Um, yeah, it doesn't. it doesn't feel like as adventurous as it used to be. And that's a. R- I'm glad you asked that question because wow, I just really just as I said that, I've really realized that now. Like the the pennies dropped of like, oh wow, it's really not as adventurous as it was. I I went and travelled, you know, from 2008 to until COVID on and off, and was literally looking for somewhere to live. Like I was just like I just want to like work online and and live somewhere. And yeah, now that I'm back, I. And I can travel is I am going to travel and I'm looking forward to that but it's a different it's going to be a different type and the and for a reason the reason I want to stay on the coast is because friends and family yeah and as I'm getting older I'm really valuing connection and relationships with people that you've had good experiences with people that you love that you've had experiences with that you when you get to reminisce those experiences it's like very valuable and I don't want to you know I used to just go from place to place to place now I want to stay you know maybe six months in a four months in Australia four months somewhere else in a different home and then you know three four months traveling but the reason I'll stay on the coast is probably for community more surfing's good like that's my number one thing right surfing's great (laughs) but it's bloody busy out there in the water so and I can get uncrowded ways other places so the main thing I'd say is is for yeah family and community what's it like there's multiple questions that i want to go with that Mm. but it was like because the question that i did actually have is if you could live anywhere where would you live and you've already said it and knowing that we are social creatures and hence why we we do it typically stay where we've grown up or where our friends and family are we can't help it that's our inclination is to do that you know, there's a part of me that wants to go and live on the Faroe Islands, you know, in between Iceland and Scotland and just hang out there, you know, but there's no one there that I know. So I can understand that, you know, the coast might be a base for me, but what was it like traveling in the earlier part of your life like that? What did you learn from that? Traveling is probably the best thing I have done with my life. The best thing about traveling before smartphones and before 
gazillion pieces of content, even though we're creating one now. And I all I do is create content for my business as well. But before all of that, um, just space and time to try things, experiment with different cultures, different people, different relationships, different activities and stuff like that, and then sit on a bus for 12 or 18 hours and just be with myself and just digest and process what's happened, what do I like, what do I not like, and digest the whole thing. And that real, the traveling really helped shape me, shaped who I am as a person, really. And I think that's the best thing that I got from traveling. Like the experience and stuff are like crazy, awesome experiences. Uh, but the best thing about it, I think, was that, yeah. Mm, getting that. Having space. Like I don't think, I don't think we get enough space, eh, in our life. I'm such a big fan of it. Yeah. You know, hence the the vision quests and doing all that sort of stuff that I want to set up on this property is like, how do I help people have no input and yep. just integration? Mm-hmm. Because when we stop, we get to digest. It's almost like we never stop. If we never stop eating, we never get to digest what we've got. And certain things, and knowing this is particularly with fasting, is if we don't stop for a long enough period, enzymes never get to do what they're meant to do mm-hmm. some enzymes only activate once there's been enough of a break in food and i think it's a bit the same with humans it's like if we have no stimulus for a couple of days what magic can come from us without anything you know mm. to tantalize us mm-hmm. or to to do you know and i think i wonder this for you what it's like when you travel is being that far out of your comfort zone or eating something so different or being around a different culture, what that actually amplifies in for yourself to notice. It's like, oh, I really am like this Mm. or I really like that and Mm. I would never know otherwise. Yeah, unless you put yourself in that situation because we are not... We've got so many... Fuck, we're just odd, you know, as a human being. Like, we've got so many things that we like and dislike and how do you know if you like them or dislike them if you don't try them? Like... It just forces you to do it. And also, like, sometimes you don't want to be... Like, some like there was experiences in India where I'm like, fuck, I actually really, really don't want to be here and could not expect that that thing would have happened. And, I mean, you've... Yeah, it's, it's a good thing in hindsight because you're like, fuck, okay, I'll never put myself in that situation again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've done that in Papua New Guinea. Tell you know, me. Oh, Tell us. <laughs> I was... um. I'll just shameless self-promotion here. I was the head coach for the junior, no, the youth Australian team for the Pacific Games. And we were in a bus. And what I realize now is Port Moresby is the third most dangerous city in the world. So we rock up to this place where they've built a university. And this is where the um, accommodation is. And we have to get um, convoyed by police to anywhere we want to go so mm. to the from where we're staying to where we're going we have to have a be in convoy so what i didn't know about port moresby is it has 80 percent unemployment 80 80 holy so if you were a single white australian man walking down the road I don't know where if you where you're going, but you might not get there. Mm. Um, and not to say that you wouldn't, but this is like my my basic knowledge of it, and still to this day. But there was someone that um, did step out on the road in between the convoys, and 
we may or may not have hit that person and just kept going. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, while there was another people there, while we were there in town, um, someone was at the Anzac War Memorial um, place and someone got uh, their arm cut off with a machete and had to get helicoptered out of there because locals, something was going to happen. So it's just, it's a wild place, man. And uh, afterwards I was like, wow, like I really put my hand up for that. Mm. And admittedly, there's a lot of athletes and there was a big ceremony and I did feel safe most of the time, but it was just that, oh, what I take for granted in Australia is not only am I just a white male that does jujitsu and I'm a hundred kilo guy, so no one really fucks with me, mm. but just putting myself in situations where it's like, it doesn't matter what I can do. If there's a hundred people that decide, you know, something wants to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about you? Tell me about <laughs> India. <laughs> oh, India, far out. <laughs> Mate, I... I was living in Egypt uh, in 2012 until 2013. Um, I spent six, maybe seven months there and uh, I was just working as a dive master. This was, Egypt was a massive catalyst for change for me in the direction of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when I was like, realized like, fuck the normal job thing. I'm going to, I'm going to work out how I can make money online. Um, and yeah, and then it's, that's where that started. And then, uh, I thought, all right, I'd, somebody's like, Jared, you've got to go to India. Like one of my mates in Egypt, he's like, you love India, you love Nepal, go there. It's you know, it's you, um, because I'm pretty, ad- I'm a pretty adventurous guy, and I'm like, all right, I think I'm, you know, I've got enough culture around me in, in Egypt, um, living in like all my family laugh at me because some of them came and visited where I lived. They're like, they, they call it the Osama bin Laden shack where I live because it was like pretty. Like a bunker. It was a bunker. Yeah. <laughs> that That is in Egypt, you're saying, or in India? In Egypt. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like, it's the architecture there. The architecture yeah. is that's like r- thick that's walls right. and yeah. it's all plain. Yeah. It's very, very boring. Uh, but I thought I was cultured enough to go to Nepal and India. Anyway, so I spent like a, maybe three weeks in Nepal doing, you know, the Himalayas and that sort of stuff. And then I got on a bus to go down to um, Varanasi or Varanasi, the holy city. And uh, it was like a 32-hour, like, transit from, like, bus to train to train to bus to another train. And, you know, the trains are never on time. So, it's, like, ended up taking, like, two full days, two, like, like 48 hours. And I uh, get to Varanasi and uh, meet up with, didn't meet up, sorry, I had a, a guy with me who was going to the same place that I met on one of the trains. He was a, uh, a Korean guy and we're both just cooked, like so cooked. And so we're, we get into Varanasi, get a tuk-tuk, try to find a place. I'm like, all right, it's just down this alleyway thing. We'll just go down. You know, there's cows and shit and flies and stuff all over the place and I'm rolling down my luggage and then this guy pushes me up against the wall. And I'm like, fuck. And then he keeps running. And then straight past me, uh, like a bunch of guys just bulleted, bulleted past me um, running and yelling, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm a zombie at the moment. And then all of a sudden, a dead body just like passes straight past my face. And I'm like, fuck, like what, like, what is going on? And this is a normal thing, like, ha- like 60 to 70, 60 or 80 people uh, deceased people are carried through the street uh, in Varanasi to take them to the holy river and, you know, 
cremate them and stuff like that on the fire. But I was just like not ready for it. So I was just like, I said to this, I said to the Korean guys, like, I'm going straight to this hostel. I'm going to book a flight and I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Wow. Yeah, it was mental. But there's, yeah, it's, if you, the, it's very eye-opening. There's, you know, the, the, it's the filthiest water in the most polluted water in the world in that, in that river. Yet they drink it. They have, you know, there's seven different types of people that can't be cremated. Uh, like I think it's people, you know, people under two, people bitten by a cobra, people with leprosy, and, and people that aren't part of the religion, but they still want them in the water because it's holy. So they will wrap them up with stones and put them in the river. But they just, you know, bodies have gas, so the gas expands and they float. Yeah, it's crazy. So I saw like deceased pregnant women wrapped up, like you could see they're clearly pregnant. You like just you got to have a you know some pretty thick skin and be prepared for it. So mm. I was like, what? Like, what am I? Everyone. The funny thing in is that when people go to India, a lot of people go, oh, I'm going to go to India and find myself, right? And yeah, you, there's a lot of people there like that. And you know, you and I would realize like you don't, you can only find yourself within, mm. not externally, right? Mm. So like being around that as well, this is a mental place. <laughs> it's mental. <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously that's a where where was somewhere that you just really enjoyed that you didn't expect to like what what's a place that surprised you and i'm sure everything's probably largely based around surfing so yeah for sure uh bocas del toro that's in panama uh somebody told me there was good waves there and i went there and i was like this is really good so i stayed there for like three to four months and end up making some really good friends um ended up you know running a surf school there and they had a um there was just an american guy that bought this surf school a couple of years ago he's like yeah i need some surf instructors so i was like i'd never been a surf instructor so i went and just told him like how i teach people but i just made it up and then yeah about a month later he's like yeah you just you gotta drive the people out on the boat you know anchor the boat in the water and then take them out um and i just met so many cool locals from doing that and also a big expat community that uh sail the caribbean and they park their boats in the island areas and yeah just went on a lot of boat parties not people that are flashy and have a lot of money people that are just you know trying to live the dream um any way they can with whatever money they have and just great human beings you know i met a guy there who had built his own boat out of wood from one of the islands he built it with his son and the, the the boat is like it's a it's, it's like a cartoon character boat thing it's like a multi-hull boat um he was about 50 he had like an uh, like a 19 year old blonde um, american girlfriend and he'd sailed it from like australia to, to over over there it's just like that was a pretty special place i thought it was it was quite cool yeah, right. yeah. any any chance you're gonna head back uh I think it would have changed, like, yeah. I, I'll probably will go back there, but I think it would have changed a lot. Like, the people would have changed and the place would have changed. I think it's kind of like what, what you were saying about before on the Gold Coast. It's like, harness it whilst you've got it because you know it might not be there forever. Totally. Yeah. And I guess that leads into then just, like, obviously travel, you're enjoying that. So then it's got to be the question, which is what Tani and I are currently doing right now is, like, how do we create something that's location independent such that we can travel? Because to me, it's like, 
I'm planning on having my 20s in my 40s, right? I like, love that. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's my dream. Whether, you know, and am I attached to it? Yeah, I am. But I'm so, so like life is what it is. So mm. whatever happens, happens. But it's that having that experience of just like being able to travel freely. And, you know, there's a part of me that actually feels like I'm going to appreciate it more this way because what I would have traveled and done in my 20s might not remember a whole bunch so now it's like now i get to really choose it from a really like conscious way in a conscious way and also just being like knowing that i what i know and what i like and being able to like pick and choose a little bit better i think the people pleaser in me probably would have just gone along with whatever was put in front of me Mm. and now it's like no i think i know where i want to go and why Mm. and so that feels you know to me it feels good but have you got places that y- you've got a bit of a idea of, of where you want to go and how long you want to spend in each of those places? Oh, the time, like for me personally, I've never spent longer than two weeks not working. Really? Yeah, I've never had a break. Wow, so dude. I've always been in a position where either funds, time, whatever doesn't really allow for it. It's called being a dad at 21. Ah, oh, that's know? it, yeah. And so for me, it's that's my excuse now. I could have many other excuses but it was more just that i think the commitment to that for me has been what it is and Mm. i think now it's like creating more of that space and time so for me it would be obviously going back to europe in a way um landing there as a base and then fanning through there i don't think there'll be anything in particular other than say parts of switzerland parts of northern italy that i'm interested in croatia i'm interested in i love architecture so there's a bunch of german europe yeah, like mm. Germany, I've already been to. Um, so there's a lot of places that I would like to probably even revisit would be interesting. But parts of Scotland, parts of the Faroe Islands, parts of Iceland are big. Like, if I could go anywhere right now in the world, I'd fly straight to Iceland. That's where you belong. You look <laughs> like you're straight out of Iceland. You are Iceland. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> come and visit me. Um, yeah, and then obviously south america because i've never been i've been to northern america um and you know obviously parts of uh alaska and iceland oh sorry uh canada would be quite nice northwest america would be quite nice but i mean i'm actually someone that's really interested in actually visiting america not for the cities but for the geography Mm. like the place is beautiful oh yeah um zion and a whole bunch of places that i've done fair bit of research because the plan was for tani and i was to actually go to um, Burning Man in 2020. Oh, that's right near Zion. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. the plan was to do a three-week trip to America. And then because COVID hit, we ended up pulling our cash and getting this place instead. So yeah. I'm glad it happened the way it did. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, man, three-week trip through America would have been pretty dope too. Oh, yeah. Not cheap, but pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. America, America is, is, is pretty diverse, like... Yeah, you got the snow, you got the mountains, you've got the forest, and then you've got the beach. Like it's, it's it's, it, it's like what you got in Australia, but it's it's just a different beauty, I guess. Yeah, that's the that's the thought, and you know, like, look, still got a couple more years before we go on permanent travel. So for me, I'd still like to see more of Oz. Mm. You know, I haven't been to West Oz, so that's another thing that you know I want to tick off the list. Even this year would be really cool, um, but. You know, is there anywhere that you haven't been that still is like, I got to go? My ego says Antarctica. 
Um, because like, I was like, that's the only continent that I haven't been to yet. Um, but there are, there, there are places that I want to go. Like the same as you, I want to go to Scotland. I want to go to Ireland. Um, I haven't done a lot of Africa. Like I've I've really only been to Egypt, right? So it's not really Africa. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you right now. Like I, I've just spent the last decade building building uh, or building something where I have the capacity to to be anywhere in the world and 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 still work. So I'm like at the moment I'm like fuck where am I like I'm like I can go anywhere now now that the world's opened up. So that's where I've been thinking about it a lot like I don't want to leave I don't want to leave Australia for too long because I want to uphold relationships with your nieces and nephews and friends and stuff like that. Um but yeah, I think I think that that part of Europe and Africa would be cool. Yeah, South Africa and Zimbabwe and Madagascar oh, and all that area man. really interests me. Um, the list just as you as it, as you speak, like it's just like the list just grows. Eh? It's, yeah, uh, I, I'm just such a like the two things that I know I'm really passionate about is obviously nature mm. and architecture. So for me, it's like. I can find places that have a bit of both, yeah. you know, that's that's sort of like what leads me or drives me is to mm. see certain places. Um, but how, so for you then, this business that you've ran, because to me, I only know it as like you do online stuff. And mm. to me, it's like the, the, the basic understanding I have is you help people run stuff online. But <laughs> what is it? What do you actually do? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, like so many, that's funny everyone from school and most of my mates back here, they're just like, even the people I know, like, oh, yeah, they just see some of the stuff I put out. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you do online business stuff. Um, that's what most people think I do. Uh, and it is. But what I actually do is I, um, I, I try to start my own online business. It's freaking hard. Like, it's really, really hard, as you know. Um, and you've been in, bi- you've been in multiple businesses, haven't you? Yeah. So, business is tough and, uh, I tried to start multiple businesses, failed, and then I uh, bought one. I was like, well, if 90% of startups fail, why don't I go out and buy one that's past that 90% failure rate, right? So I took a little bit of money that I'd saved out of the stock market, bought a small business that went well, and I bought another small one, and then I bought another small one, so I had three businesses, and that's when I went and did Asia and then into South, Central and South America and lived in Mexico and Bocas del Toro and stuff like that for a year and a half. And then on that trip, people were like, Dude, what like what do you mean you haven't been home for a year and a half and you uh like y- you don't need to go work or you don't need to work where you're going? And so I you know tell my story and they're like fuck dude you need to teach me this stuff. So then I created a course. This back in 2016 when courses just started online courses just started to become a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um and then yeah then I started selling that and built a business around it and then I moved that course into a a, a community like a membership where people you know, sign up and they learn how to buy a business um, and they can do it with my help. Like I do have a bit of support in there mm-hmm. and then people that buy businesses, once they've bought them, I help them scale them if they want to go to the next level in terms of business coaching or sometimes people just like, oh, can you help me scale my business? Then yeah, I do that. So I, I only work with like max 20 clients for one-on-one coaching and the rest is kind of like done for you or done, you know, do it yourself sort of stuff. So basically, you help people buy a business. Yeah, 
right. small online businesses. You want to start off small so you're not taking too much of a risk. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So I'm someone that's just like Joe Blow. I've got a full-time job. I want to get out of the rat race. Mm. I go and I talk to you about buying something that potentially that I'm passionate about or do you tell people, hey, this is a good purchase. You should buy this. Yeah, so <coughs> good question. I never... Good question. I never tell people what to buy. Mm. I, I, I like to teach a man to fish. Yep. And I also tell people not to buy something that they're passionate about. Helps. Yeah, because uh, like what's what's your what's your goal, right? Like if, if your goal is like I want to get out of the rat race so I can have more time with my family and or travel, then you don't really care about the business. The main goal is to make money so you don't have to be in the rat race. So it's better to buy a business that, not just because you're unattached to it, but it's better to buy a business that's in any niche that is a good business model but can be a more passive type of business rather than you buy an e-commerce business and you have to do you know, product sourcing, sell the product, do the marketing, do the customer service, all that, that jargon, which is a, a lot of work. It is a huge amount of work. Anyone that's run their own business knows yeah, how much crazy. work it is. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's more about like what's the right business model for you and how much can you afford um, and then also what's the risk. Like we want you to have the minimal amount of risk in that business model with the least amount of work. Um, yeah, and then if somebody is passionate about something like you, men's work, like there's, I think there's only a certain type of people that should start a business. Is somebody that has a passion for something and wants to put a product or service out there that doesn't exist in that fashion and they're prepared to stay in business for five to ten years or more. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. No. You know? Because it's a long game. It is a long game. And I think it's too, like for me, it's like me personally, I know that I'm not into selling products. I'd rather sell my service. Mm -hmm. I, I like service-based businesses personally. Like yeah. that's what I know I like. And you get fulfillment out of it, right? Like that's what you should start a business for yes. is fulfillment and serving rather than I'm going to create a product and sell it so I can make money and that product sucks and then you, nobody's happy. It's a lose-lose. Everybody loses. That's what it feels like to me. But I mean, look, it can be done. Plenty of people do it, you know. So, And so that's what you're currently doing and that's what you're going to keep doing? Yeah. Uh, I have a, s other th you know, a few other small investments and stuff like that. Um, yeah, building a property portfolio at the moment and... I will stay in in this business that I have for a while. Like I get a lot of fulfillment out of the coaching, um, but maybe down the track, five, ten years, it may change. Maybe I sell it. Maybe I do something different. Um, yeah, I, I I am getting swayed to more like sort of life coaching sort of stuff, but I'm not forcing it. Like my some of the life coaching stuff that I do is mixed in with what I do already in, within the business coaching. It's basically the same thing, really. It's like some of my clients call it business therapy because you come to call, what should I do? You give them the answer. They got the homework. It's like, ah, oh, cool. I know what to do. And I have lots of shit going on in their head of like, fuck, what am I going to do? How do I do this? Mm. Um, so I'm getting pushed down that route sort of thing, but I'll just let that evolve. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm more focusing on doing more of what I like and less of what I don't like. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. It, yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough one because you've got to go through different layers. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one because you've got to go through a few different layers to sort of get to that. 
and then yeah, you, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, how like that's why we need that space to discover. Like when you're doing your work and your men's work, you're like, oh, really, that went really well, right? You're getting so much feedback, and the feedback is this. Oh, I love feedback, not in business, like tracking data and stuff like that, but feedback in in life of like, oh, that went, that was good, and it was really easy. Why? And do I like that? And then how can I lean into more of that? Mm. Yeah. I'm finding that like just for me, the way that I'm doing my life at the moment is it's really weird. I should speak to it, but I recently, yeah, I, I went back and got a full-time job this year. Congrats. And what I noticed for me is like there's so much reservation around going back and being an employee to somebody and sort of like seeing that as a negative, like, oh, if you're entrepreneurial, you know, you failed if you go back, you know, it's like that, that was something like, that's part of me, like my self talk. And then what I realized for myself and what I'm having the experience of now is I specifically went back to a certain company that I really admire and like. So that was one of the things I didn't go back to just anything. And then I didn't necessarily want to go back full time, but that's what they were offering. It was mm. that or nothing. And I'm mm. like, well, that's actually why I'm going back is I need consistency of income. And the other part that I I didn't realize, but it's so profound for me is working full time for me puts me in a place where I have to not be working on my business mm. enough that it encourages me and makes me thrive and want to work on my business which i didn't think it would do i thought it would do the opposite i thought i'd be too distracted or you know it takes away from what i really want to do but the experience i'm having at the moment is by the end of the day i'm so excited about doing men's work Mm. like i'm literally working 6 30 in the morning till 9 30 at night monday to thursday and then i knock off on a friday at three and then i'm done for the week but it's the experience is I'm fucking loving it. And right now I'm making more than I ever have every week. Cause That's I, so good. Yeah, because I got into the selling programs, which yeah. is great and it's awesome and I'm serving, but I'm only serving so many men yep. for so long. And then then what? You know, that that's the part that like I'm starting to realize for my nervous system mm. is my nervous system goes better when I know that everything every week is sorted. Yeah. That allows me to feel like I have more expanse to be more risk-taking in my mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. versus the needy place that I would come from inside of my business prior to that would be... Boy, survival, I, right? Yeah. yeah like I need I need men to join my group. Mm. Now I don't need them to join. I just want them to because I know it's a benefit, which I knew anyway, but... Which is a game changer. It's, a, it's like... It's like when you're dating and you're desperate, people can smell it a mile away, right? And I know that because I used to, I, I learned sales and I did sales and I taught sales and then I did a sales team. And like, I mean, the thing is going back to a job is like, I think it's a smart thing because I've done it and I tell people, um, people come to me like, Jared, I want to, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to buy a business. I'm like, well, cool, but not with me because I don't want you to do that. And the reason being is because when you quit your job, you are gonna, you have that stress grabby energy around like I need a business and I need it to work because it's gonna be a paycheck so I can survive, and I think that's that's deadly. Like you operate from a place of of fear, 
rather than like, no, I'm I'm here because I want to do it and I'm going to serve rather than like, I need this for me to survive. So I think it's like, I take my hat off to you because it's, it's, it's a freaking hard thing to do. Like I had to do it. Like I had to go back and do a sales role when my business nearly collapsed and it was crap. I was like, oh, do I Uber or do I do sales? Like, and I've got client, I've got a client now that does eight figures, right? And he's like, yeah, like a few years ago, Jared, I'm, I'm driving Uber. And before that, he was a politician. And he's like, I used to drive, pick people up in the Uber and people are like, aren't you this guy? And he's like, yeah, I'm driving my hungry jack shit itself and I'm driving Uber and I've just got to do it because I've got to get through life and it's the right thing to do. It's fucking humble pie. It's a humble pie. It's a big old humble pie, isn't it? <laughs> but I think it's I think it's good that you did it because you can't you know, it's a hard thing to do and then you, you're coming from a place of love in business. Mm. And the I think the cool thing is that you like what you have just realized is like you're doing your you're doing your day job thing and you're like that's really lighting a fire up your bum like maybe you don't want to be there as much so i'm going to come home and just crush this thing because and, and it gives you so much more inspiration be like i can be doing better things for people in the world than well i don't know what your job is but like it's i mean it's still ethical you said you liked it but i can see where it lights a fire up your bum to be like nah this is let's it's, do this it's working both ways it's it's knowing that no matter what everything is covered so like I feel like a sense of safety inside yeah. of my life where mm. it's not like what's going to happen next week like where's where's my mortgage going to get paid for next week yeah I know that that's all sorted and then everything else because this is the other thing that I realized is when I was running my own business and say I had a tough week it w- the inspiration to earn more would just be to pay more bills like mm. it's only paying bills mm. whereas every bit that I'm doing right now in my business is all cream. Like it's all out of joy and what can I do with it How rather good. than, oh, that just pays my food for the week. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and that that mindset for me has been really profound. Like for me growing up, it was money was hard to come by, you know. and I know that. Rich, rich people are bad people and, you know, sales people are taking your money. You know? <laughs> like we've both done sales training and it's like, Oh, right. Like sales is actually, I've got something of value and people want it. Mm -hmm. And it's up to me to encourage them to purchase it. So then their life is better. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is win-win. I thought it used to be like, I would sell you and I would trick you out of the Yeah, (laughs) It's crazy, eh? I, I have friends that actually have whole businesses around ethical sales. And I think it's, I think it's lovely. I think it's a bit like conscious relating. It's like, you can actually have a relationship where both people are benefiting and it's good. And you actually speak to each other, Mm -hmm. you know? Communication, even when it's tough. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and that sales is like, I'm selling you now. Like, Visa or MasterCard and then just wait. You know, that sort of training was so good for me. Yeah. That so helped me with my, you know, my original sales around weightlifting mm. you know and then starting my own club mm. and doing what we did there with gold coast weightlifting club all those years ago <laughs> so what's currently what's so what's actually firing you up at the moment because i know what i'm fired up by what about you i'm fired up to go traveling again i'm fired up to have space and to yeah to travel uh another th- in business wise had this really cool, cool uh, like 
over the last few years, a lot of people like are being saying, oh, Jared, you know, I've got some you know, money. Can you buy a business for me and, and run it and manage it and stuff like that? Or are you going to start a fund or whatever? And I've just knocked it back for a number of years, um, mainly because I don't want to do the work uh, and I don't know any good operators or people that want to be the, the action action men and people that can do the the financial management of it all. Uh, and manage the structure of it and stuff like that and investors and then uh yeah i had a guy um who joined my community a couple months ago and he's really pushing it and i was like nah dude nah 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 and he's just kept pushing it i was like this guy is really i'll have a chat with him and he's an action taker so i'm looking i'm looking at how that is going to evolve um which may be maybe fun if i don't have to do the work and i can just be the strategic advisor Mm. i'm not i'm not gonna be it will make money but I would rather give all the money to all the other parties to have them work harder and me just enjoy the process of it. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about that to see some cool people get drawn into that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, have some space for that and, and travel and surf. Yeah. Oh, the ocean. How... I couldn't live without it. I just... Yeah. You go, to the, you go for a walk at the beach every day with a doggo? Oh, uh, Every day I can. Every day you can, yeah. Every day I can. That's the that's the part for me. That's the caveat. But yes, most most weekends there's always a plan to go to the beach and spend time there. And what I currently realise, because my wife and I were coming up to twenty years together. Oh my god! Congrats. And so, and so what I did realise in the last couple of months, we've we've had a really big change in our relationship over the last four months, and one of those things is. I had this realization of, will I sit next to Tani on the beach forever or will I be independent enough and less codependent and actually just take my board to the beach and leave her on the beach and go surfing? Because back when I was a kid, mm. I would surf. I, I would never lay on the beach and sunbake mm. I would or read a book. I mean, I would, but if I was going to the beach, it was because I was getting waves, baby. You mm. know, like I would go surfing. So... You know, I think it's coming back to that place of regularly getting out there. Like I went and checked the surf today and there was a beer. There was a surf comp on at, at Tally and then went around to the headland. And to be honest, for how good the surf was, there wasn't that many guys out. Yeah, I heard that. And that was the same as yesterday. I, I wanted to ask you, a, not a, we'll just bring this up as a discussion around the codependency and relationship. Isn't it? Isn't it wild or funny that when when you're in the relationship you uh, uh, it's good that you're in the in a relationship and you can bring yourself out of it and you and you're getting a lot of hindsight out of it um but in the relationship you can you can be very codependent and it can it can hold you back like you think of a relationship can push you forwards and it can at times but yeah when you just get so stuck in this is just how we are that becomes that sets that concrete sets even harder and harder right like when you're talking about like cannot will i go to the beach in a number of years or whenever it is and just go for a surf i do my thing and and she does her thing and we come back together better for it 100 percent. how cool that that has been this year's goal for tani and i so tani and i open related for four years and this year we've went monogamous to create more space in our relationship so you know we needed to 
unravel. So to me, it's like we're two ropes that have knotted together mm. and now we're trying to undo a 20-year-old knot, you know, and how yeah. like baked on and like tight that knot is. Mm. And so pulling the threads on that entanglement, that enmeshment, that codependency is, you know, like a lot of people congratulate me on like, oh, 20 years, wow, you know, and then I'm like, that can be good, but I also know people that have been together for 50 years and they fucking hate each other. They're just so codependent that they just rely on each other, right? Yep. And so they, they end up dressing the same and looking the same almost. It's mm. wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and just putting up with stuff that they don't have to put up with. And, you know, I look at I look at some relationships like that. I'm like, what, like, what are you doing still there? Yeah. Yeah. And so Tani and I are both really dedicated to growth. Like I've mm. done my Gallup strength tests and one of my highest one is learner. Input's number one, learner's number two. And so for me, it's how can I be growing and how can we grow inside of this relationship? And for me, it was if we, if we do this and create a lot of space, what can it bring up? I also did um, abstinence and also celibacy for three months. And so... Abstinence from the relationship. Absence, like from any pleasure. So oh, no okay, self-pleasure, yeah. Yeah, you got, yeah. nothing. Um, no, I did 65, 66 days, no ejaculation as well. It was like, <laughs> I was not tired <laughs> for that many days. It was wild. I could live off four hours of sleep a night. Just because you had so much energy from not ejaculating. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's something that I'd never done for an extended period. Like two weeks was the longest. So to do 65 days... I could hear colors, you know, by the end of it, <laughs> a beautiful woman would walk across the road and I could, I could tell. You'd you know? be wired, <laughs> just so wired. Zero brain fog? Zero ba- brain fog. It yeah. was like I'd been on a, like I'd do a lot of fasting, so it felt like I was at the yeah. end of a 120 hour fast. Yeah. Um, but this is the same thing, right? The, the no sex created that after the initial hunger pains, like fasting does, it's exactly the same. So on the other side of the pain is euphoria. Mm. And so often that's a metaphor for life. Like on the other side of fear, there's freedom. On the other side of pain, there's whatever. Like it's there's so much stuff on the other side of the thing that we resist. Mm. So for me, it was if I don't do it, like if I practice this celibacy piece, what am I going to learn out of this inside of my relationship? Rather than ending a relationship, it's like how can I create a different experience inside of this relationship? And so that for me was the growth factor was what happens if we splitted our finances? What happens if I got my own bedroom, which I now have, you know, and like didn't co-sleep anymore. Co-sleeping's a big one. Yeah. And, Mm. uh, you know, for me, it was like both Tani and I are anxious leaning in our attachment styles. So, you know, we like it. It actually feels good for us to be, like, not codependent, but to lean in for each other. Mm. So, to unravel that for ourselves, it's like, oh, I'm going to sleep on my own. I'm going to have my own room. I'm going to do my own things on the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, Tani goes to a festival and I go away for a boys trip, you know. So much of our life has been enmeshed in business, in work. Mm. And so, another part of me working full time means that I'm away out of the house for most of the day. which is actually beneficial for my relationship. So there's all these things this year that looks dramatically different. Like if I just dropped myself into where I am now a year ago, like if I took me from a year ago and put me in now, I'd have a fucking meltdown (laughs) because it's just so different to how my relationship has been. 
but then here we are coming up to 20 years loving it what do you think's been the 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 biggest change that's all the most beneficial change from a year ago to now that not just for you but for both of you in the relationship would it be because the code and the co-sleeping thing i think like is so beneficial yeah i think but i don't know i just wanted to know your experience because i think my my experience was there's two parts to it and they bring up different emotional things this is why so i i can speak to like what we did that made a big difference and that was me being responsible for my own income was Mm. one of them because we just always pulled our money Yep. So that had me go, all of a sudden, I'm managing all my own bills, everything. So I'm more like aware because for most of my life, it was, I just worked and Tani managed it. Uh, so that was something for me. That that for me was something where... You took more responsibility. More responsibility. And I'm already a res- like taking responsibility kind of guy. Yeah. But there was areas for me that unbeknownst to our relationship had me feel like tani felt like my mum. Mm-hmm. so it's like mm. how can i unravel the mummy son yeah. kind of vibe yeah because like when you know the partner might be you know you do this part of the you know the relationship and work in our relationship and i do this and yeah i guess that's sorry i cut you off there it's okay i guess that's just um unhealthy to not be able to know wholeheartedly what it is to do those tasks and not respect it or be grateful for it right like and then when you I mean I don't know how Balin is but watching my friends have kids just recently I'm like wow okay like I noticed that they don't know each other's love language and they don't respect what each other does in the relationship and that causes some stuff and I'm like oh like yeah and also the non-communication around it. But yeah, I just, I just think, thought about that with the finances, like, you know, and there's probably things that Tani didn't, you know, you you did. And, and Tani's like, oh, I don't really know how hard that was for you or how much went into that and didn't, yeah. And, and this, is the, this is the part about communicating that. Like, mm. you don't know until you know or you don't know until you change it. And then mm. you realize, oh, I've been holding on to that for so long. Mm-hmm. Like for me, there was certain bits of resentment like i i have this thing around fairness and i've spoken to this a lot in my talks on this podcast but like for me fairness was something that was really like prominent for me in my life and what i realized is fairness to me was underpinning resentment so resentment was there and therefore everything had to be fair because i felt like it was fundamentally unfair in, in the way that I see the world. There was views that I had that were childish and immature that fundamentally meant that if someone did something, that was unfair for me. So then I would be my victim. And so... Yeah, that's right. Victim, uh, yeah, straight yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, understanding the drama triangle, which I talk a lot about, is just like, how do you get out of the victim? Create. And so... But what was still underpinning underneath that drama triangle was resentment. And so realizing that I had resentment pieces and then went and got therapy and study therapy and do all my shadow work, Mm. which is what we do to understand our ego better. And then that was a big part for me. So having the experience of looking after my finances. So that was the doing part. What I did was looking after my own money. What it brought up for me was a whole bunch of 
r- stuff around money that I hadn't had to look at before and hadn't had to be responsible about. So this is like really helping me step into it. And funnily enough, because I'm managing my own money, I'm now earning the most I have as well. So it's like... That's my, because you're healing your sacral chakra <laughs> totally. because of the money part. That's so good. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then the other big fundamental change is having my own space in my own house. So having my own bedroom. Mm. And I used to think about this because, you know, Tani and I are both anxious. Is like, how could people have a separate room? Do they? Why are they even together? Uh-huh. You know, like how a relationship yeah. looks to me. And so my thought was like, oh, they mustn't love each other because they don't sleep in the same room and they mm. don't have their own space or whatever. And now I understand it is that that space for me in my own place means that I can go there and do my own practices, be in my own space, have a conversation, sit and read, have the lighting the way I want it, have it the temperature that I want. Yes, um, yes. Even little things like I get up really early in the morning and if I wake Tani, I call it waking the dragon. Mm-hmm. Like Tani does not like to be woken up early. Um, me, on the other hand, I'm a morning person. Go so go. I'm like, mm. bing, I'm on. So for me, it's like, when I wake up to go to work, I can actually turn the light on and get dressed. Whereas if I co-sleep with someone, I have to like ninja out yeah. of the room and try and get ready in the dark. You have to squash yourself yes. in the morning to not do you and be you wholeheartedly. And that's also squashing the other person because they're not getting what they need in terms of not getting woken up or the potential to not get woken up. For their nervous system. Isn't it crazy? Like It's wild. I, I had a mentor um, say to me in, in my last relationship, uh, and we, we were sleeping together, my partner and I were sleeping together in the same room, and uh, I wanted to like black out the curtains. I wanted to get air conditioning in there. I wanted to sleep cold. like All these sleep optimization things, right? I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, she would go to bed later than me. I would wake up earlier. And then my mentor said to me, Jared, you just, you got to, you got to, um, I said, well, we've got a small place. I can't, like it was a three bed. I can't just have my own room. Like what, you know, what am I going to do? And she's like, I just don't buy that. Like you can just buy a fold out couch for your office and just sleep in there. And I'm like, oh wow. Like that was just like somebody else helping me dig through my shit and being like, oh no, it's too hard. Can't be done. But, like I would never, in my next relationships, I would never sleep in the same bedroom, because I just now that I'm like have my own space, my own place. It's like, fuck, would you I'm, even co-live? Well, I thought I've thought about that as well. Um, even though this, you know, this relationship, um, this partnership has only ended recently, like. When when we got together, I really I really did enjoy living by myself, and she really did enjoy living by by herself as well. And then as we moved in together, we've really that's when the codependency really started to kick in, right? And I think how healthy, like how much more would you be excited to see somebody if you did live on your own? You only got to see them like this is a crazy example, but you only got to see them for Friday night dinners. And then the Saturday, and then maybe you've got the rest of the week yourself. Like you just, you'd be way more present. You'd be a way better person in that situation than if you spent the whole week working with them from home. And then, yeah, exactly. And then just 
which is what we had done. And then it comes to the weekend and you're just like, oh, fuck, like, just lazy about the weekend. Lazy about the time that you spend with exactly. each other. It desensitizes it. Yeah. And that's that to me was like, this is what it's creating for me is like, I'm able to take Tani out on a date because I know I can afford it, you know? So it's like, hey, babe, got a booking at Etsu. We're going. Like, that's oh, her favorite how place. Good and it's just Japanese like, there. It's oh, so good. So good. And so it's just like, she's over the moon, you know? Yeah. And she's sitting there like humming to herself while she eats because she's stoked that she gets taken. And, you know, we can just go and have a good time. And it's me organizing that, me doing that, and me wanting to. Because, you know, I work all week and it's good to spend quality time. Like, I know a love language. I literally bought the five love languages book today at the secondhand bookstore at Lifeline at Burley. Because I was looking for stuff to... I'm always on the hunt for secondhand books. But what I realized recently is I bought all my books on Audible. But resource books on Audible are a terrible resource. Because you can't just open the page. Yeah. So, I'm rebuying everything that I've pretty much ever bought as a resource manual book as a physical book so and good. so man i've thrown out so many good books in the last couple of years that i wish i had that's what i'm basically doing now i'm trying <laughs> to find roger hamilton's um work roger hamilton has a really good book it's called your life your legacy yep he's got heaps millionaire master plan yeah i chucked that out a couple of months ago and now i need it because i'm in dane thomas's program his wealth program at the moment kicking myself um, yeah, just heaps of books that I'm going through. I literally, I won't say it, but there's a place that you can go and you can buy two books for a dollar, secondhand shop. So I'm like... Well, guys, if you're listening to this, just bring them straight over to Lindsay's place. Just drop them off at the letterbox, please. <laughs> please. And, and he'll pick them up whenever. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, yeah, just building my library back up. I'm avid reader. I'm always consuming information and books and resources for myself Mm. yeah so those i guess those were the two big processes for me this year that has dramatically changed the way i feel about myself Mm. and it's also dramatically changed the way that our relationship looks and feels because for me it's what's the feeling i'm getting what's the lived sense like what's the felt sense Mm -hmm. and that to me creates the 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 layers of relationship that i want to be having in my life is that not just the doing but the being Mm. as well so you know uh, i would recommend anyone to do that you know and if men are out there listening and are struggling in their relationship then reach out you know this is what i do every day it's like i've had 20 years experience of creating and up leveling like tani and i've been together broken up gotten back together lived apart ran businesses together being married had a kid together like all the different versions of relationship that you can think of open related open you know like monogamous yeah. monogamous non-monogamous yeah so all of it so it's mm. like that's the part for me that it's like i want that growth and you know where are we now we're 20 years into this and we're still growing and still developing what we're up to you know and i think that's that's the cool part. Like, how can you actually use your relationship as a vehicle for growth? Well, that's right. Like, it's yeah, guys, reach out to Lindsay. He knows he knows his shit. But I'm just thinking out loud around the selfishness piece. Like, when we become codependent, we forget about health. I, th- I think I don't know if this is a term, but and I could just be making this up. But healthy selfishness, right? Like you do the things that you need to do 
for yourself, which is selfish, without harming the other person so you can be the better person to bring yourself back into the relationship. AKA sovereignty. Sovereignty, okay. That's the word you're probably looking for there. Yeah. You know, it's it's sovereignty. It's like, I have to look after me. It's the order. I've got to actually put me first. Mm. If I don't fill my cup... There's nothing left to fill. That's it. And what I've learned over the last couple of years and what I encourage men to do is how can you fill your cup so it's actually filling? Like obviously plug the holes, but fill mm. your cup so when you're giving, you're giving from the overflow. Yes. You know, like that's that's the beauty of it. That's where we want to be, you know. Where to next, you know? Where to next, next, yeah. next relationship, right? You know, what you've learned. Because, I mean, I, I, I suffer from the same thing of the feeling of stuckness. Like, to me, I've I've actually realized this in my life is when I was very little, I got pinned by somebody and that infuriates me, um, is the feeling of stuck. So, stuck so that was a traumatic experience that it shows up with your feelings and behaviors. Yeah, emotionally, yeah. if I feel stuck, I start to like, not panic, but the stuckness creates a like a, an experience for me. And mm. recently, I did it at a trigger release. I did a rage release ritual um, that I was I participated at, um, and we hosted it at my home. And usually, you trigger the person like physically, as in you trigger point therapy the person to a pain point that they actually release anger or rage. For me, you can press on a point on me as hard as you like that's just painful it actually hurts but doesn't make me go whereas what i ended up realizing is i got a bunch of people to actually try and hold me down and then that elicited it for me so it's yeah. like that actually is what gets me like that part of me triggered off that somatic release and so you know when you're saying it before around like feeling stuck it's like it can be physical it can also be emotional as well mm, mm. you know so knowing that it's knowing, like, educating yourself around that. You need to be vulnerable enough to do so. But once you do, having that knowledge is pretty powerful. Yeah, big time. Mm. What's been your biggest takeaways from the previous relationship? What have you learned? One big thing that I learned was to be vulnerable as well. Like, my partner is in, you know, the healing space. Um, I've done a lot of work on herself forced me to be a better better person um i think i learned to be more compassionate as well uh and one of my friends confirmed that for me not long ago is like yeah you you actually became a better better human from that relationship um as much as though there was parts of us that weren't fulfilled um and it's time for us to both move on but yeah i think i think i learned a lot from there's so many things like when we talk about the sleeping the the codependency um yeah that's just a that's just a few things i guess there's so there's so many so I much to unpack i think the hard the thing that i'd like to know and this goes because it's not something that tiny and i've been feel like we get close a lot is like how do you know when to end it man <coughs> i had i had been thinking about it for A, a while like a, a long time mm. and I I had spoken to people about it like professionally 
and I think once it once it compounds enough that it's too painful for you to realize like I can't I can't be here and um yeah that's a good question it it, it happened it happened more suddenly than I would have liked uh and there's certain things, you know, I don't want to discuss, obviously, out of the respect of my previous partner, who's lovely, you know, I, st I still love her. She's a great human being. Um, yeah, there's... I think once once you get to a point, you're like... Is this too painful to continue to live with? And or do I see myself... Like, is this is this... Am I becoming the person that I want to be? And will I be the person I want to be in 10 years' time if I'm still with this person? Mm. Or will I have the relationship I want in 10 years' time if I'm still with this person? Mm. And it's not just based on their behavior. It can be my behavior within that as well, based on the codependency, based on the the, the non-valuable habits that we can create through that. Yeah, I think that was a, a big point for me. Like, hmm, where do I want to be in 10 years' time? Where do we both want to be in 10 years' time? We are very different people and we have very different goals. Yeah, like the shared mission. Yeah. Like, is it is that something? That, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, and I think that's why Patani and I, we always come back to it like, are we doing this? And it's like, fundamentally, yes. It's like the things that you're doing, like, do you annoy me? Hell yeah. You know, there's certain things that we don't like of each other, but overall it's like, okay, that's an okay. It's, wor it's, worth, it's worth having having that in your life because, like you said, fundamentally you both, if you bring all the way back to the grassroots, it's like, all right, we're, this is why we're here. Hmm. Yeah. It's big work, man. It's th it's 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 heavy shit, man. I I've, I've been crying a lot lately. That's for sure. Um and just like letting myself heal, cry. Yeah. The key emotion of the lover archetype is grief. Mm. Cuz how do you know love unless you've lost it? Mm. You know, this is the this is the part for us to really learn and embody as men. It's like allowing us to have sadness in our life like any primary emotion if we don't feel our primary emotions we get stuck in guilt and shame mm. and that's a place where i don't want any man to have to sit in you know because yeah. it's such an easy it's not easy it's a simple fix it's, it's just putting stuff on top like putting things on top of it and running away from it right like yeah and then and then what the next relationship it, there it is again you know it's like actually doing the work mm. you know actually sitting in circle in a regular t in a regular way or you know working on or knowing that there's something that i can unpack inside of this like mm. the gold in it mm. and this is the the opportunity for all of us men and the listeners too it's like how do you how do you create from that place how do you learn from this like always like what's the lesson in it my son hates me for that he's like not everything has a lesson dad <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yes it does <laughs> that's just how i am that's how i see the world like if i you know if i stub my toe it's like what did i learn from that yeah. you know what's yeah. my relationship to pain you know am i still just a big wuss about it you know <laughs> 
massive spiders on my motorbike recently and you know can't wait. deal oh riding down the freeway and then something crawls over your oh, face oh really yeah like oh. Sh- not, not that that happened but that was my fear is if i let this huntsman that's on my bike crawl underneath the seat which i did and then i take the seat off and it's sitting there and then i try and like brush it off and then it crawls down underneath the motorbike but doesn't hop off and it's the size of a sushi plate I'm like, that's a huntsman I don't want to have crawling over me while I'm riding down the road. Run, like on the highway with your face shield on, just on the face shield, just like, hey, mate, I'm here to haunt you and try not to crash. <laughs> and then, you know, the medicine of what is a spider as far as a spirit animal. So, you know, it's a lot around female and money. So yeah. It was really interesting. It was really cool to get. There's a lot of uh, medicine in. So that's sacral chakra stuff. Again, how does that line up? Because I'd like to know. You seem to know a bit about that. What's that? So you have the you have the different um, chakras in your in your energy field. Um, so if your base, your root, your sacral, your solar plexus, your heart, your throat, third eye, and then your uh, crown chakra, right? Um, and each of them have like people can go off and do their own research on what each of them mean and relate to in different areas of our lives. Um, but, you know, the root chakra is like grounding and, you know, if, if it's not completely healed, like or any of the, any of the, any of the sacral, sh- or the, sh- not sacral, any of the chakras that are, um, aren't completely healed or just have some, some stuff, you know, um, that need to be cleared up. Those ones, each one has a different sort of meaning in your life, right? And relates to different things in your life. For example, the root chakra, the grounding, unsettled, um, sacral chakra is sex uh, and money um, and magnetism. Solar plexus is like your shield, basically, um, your protection. Um, So that's yellow. Then you have your heart chakra, obviously love feelings throat chakra speaking being vocal depending depending on what it means for that each person in their life mm. um yeah my soul plexus usually lights up so that's my shield obviously i yeah. didn't know that yeah but so you're saying like so for me that i've had like stomach issues in the past like just upset tummy a lot like certain foods that sort of thing but that's the same area you're saying is sex and money yeah um it, is it like in the in the bowel type area? Yeah, yeah, it can be. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, how do you relate that? So, if it's that, you talk about it like, is sex and money somehow intertwined? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not like a, a guru on on chakras and, and especially the sacral chakra, but like, y- you'll probably notice that. Um, when you start earning more money, your sex life becomes a bit better as well or, or more enhanced or more power and energy around it. Um, and the same, you know, if it's... If well, I'm in the same field of like you should self-pleasure around money to make more money. Like they, That's they both sacral... Sh- yeah, it's, it's like a yin and yang yep. um, intertwined thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, empaths may have like a a solar plexus that isn't as large or as um, 
hasn't got as much energy within their sacral chakra, which is why they take on other people's energies as an empath and, and feel for people a bit more and stuff like that. So everybody's different. Like, you know, um, if you look at somebody that's quite famous, uh, they may have, like, if you look at Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, fucking lots of money, lots of sex with lots of women, Mass, he would have a massive sacral chakra, right? But he may be lacking in other chakras as well, right? Maybe like the third eye, the crown, um, the heart, maybe. You know, maybe he's trying, maybe he's got a lot of money, got a lot of women, but can't find love. Mm. So, you know, you've got to have the, you've got to have the balance of, of, of them all, I feel. But I'm not one to like, don't quote me on all this sort of stuff. Like I'm not a guru in this sort of stuff. It's just like what that I what I picked up along the way. And I think it's you know, another modality things. to learn from. That's all. So it's, yeah. an, it's an area of like blindness for me. Mm. I, I, you know, this is the whole thing for me. It's like how do I, how far down the woo route do oh, I go? Because yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. if <laughs> if I start wearing white and beige everywhere, like shoot me. There's a part of me because that's what I've realized for myself. It's like I'm not completely woo. And I'm not completely just business. I'm somewhere in the middle. Which is great. Well, I just, I'm just doing me, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not like a miniature Tony Robbins and I'm also not some dude wearing beads. So Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, what I've noticed, and I have a, a bit of a joke with my previous partner and her friends and, 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 and some mentors and stuff like that of around um, people that have, so you've got your... your third eye chakra is six and your crown chakra is number seven and those people that have really strong or really have only done like third eye meditations and, and all that sort of stuff um that you know you can you will typically see them th- as the beads the long hair the the more uh, you know this is a very gross term to use but like the more hippie style people broke that, spiritual yeah Exactly. Broke spiritual is, is a great way to put it. And they won't have a very strong grounding or strong sacral chakra. Um, and you can pick them out, right? A broke spiritual, you can pick that person out. And uh, I have a funny, it's just like a joke thing. Um, you know how when you're younger or maybe even now, some men would rate women from one to 10, right? In, in terms of their attractiveness, um, I would, you know, when I would see somebody that's broke spiritual, I would just say to my partner or somebody who knows what I'm talking about, I was like, oh, they're a six or a seven because you can see that they're broke spiritual and you can, you, it's, it's you starting to identify within yourself and within other people, their energy centers and their chakras and how, how aligned they are or healed they are as well. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It's, it's, there's, you like you said, you could just go down the rabbit hole with it and then end up being broke spiritual as well. <laughs> I've definitely been that. I've definitely... Well, I wouldn't even say spiritual, just broke. Just broke. <laughs> Who hasn't been broke before unless you're Elon Musk? Oh, no, he's been broke. Everyone. I think it's a rites of passage that we all need at some point. It's just like, you know, being alone for a period of time, being around others for a period of time. Like, they're all ways of really going through that process of change and you know, some of those things are the biggest change that we can have. Like people, oh, I don't want to feel sad, but it's like, if you don't feel sad, how do you know what feels good? Like it's all, it's all a process of like opening up that bandwidth, Mm -hmm. you know, what's been the things that like, you know, some of the worst times in my life, I look back and go, fuck, I'm grateful for that. Great. I'm so grateful that I 
burnt myself to a crisp running my club because now I know how to not do that. Yeah. How, and now I know how to fill my cup mm. and now I know how to give from a full cup rather than from an empty cup, yeah. you know, and all the ways through these processes. And so, man, thank you so much. I think, I think we've rambled for long enough. I want to end it on the question that I always love to ask my guests is, what is a man on a mission to you? A man on a mission to me is somebody that's looking to be the best version of themselves in order to just be and maybe they have the intention to lead but just to be the best version of themselves so they can model it for others and have a better life. I think it's, yeah, the best version of yourself. That's what a man, uh, to me. Bro, so good to catch up. We yeah. need to do this more often. Oh, we do. You can drop in on me anytime. We'll yeah, go man. surfing. And we need actually. We need to. I need to get you out in the water. Let's go do it. All right. I'm I've got a board. If you need a board, I've got a board. It just doesn't have any sand on it. It needs some more. Hey, um, thank you. How can people get in contact with you? Um, you can go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com or um, yeah, just type my name into Google. Or by type, yeah, just go to J- um, Jared Krause is my name, J-A-R-Y-D, K-R-A-U-S-E, or go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com and you can contact me on any of the platforms, I guess. Awesome, man. Yeah. So appreciate you being on the show. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, well, let's catch up soon. Thanks for having me on. Looking All right. forward to it. Thanks, everyone. And remember, too, if you're interested in jumping on a men's group, I have one online on a Tuesday, 7 till 9 p.m., And if you want to join my in-person men's group on the Gold Coast, then that's a Monday, 5.30 to 8.30. And just hit me up on Instagram is the easiest place for me. And we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening.